Now, the heights of British politics look very different today, no longer the exclusive domain of an Anglo-Christian elite. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is of Indian Hindu background, London Mayor Sadiq Khan and now Scottish First Minister Hamza Yusuf are Muslims of South Asian heritage. So what does their success say about British multiculturalism? Professor Iftikhar Malik of Oxford and Bath Spa Universities studies immigrant communities. Despite all the early hiccups and still some criticism, multiculturalism, as we call it in the United Kingdom, has worked to the larger benefit of the country and especially for minorities and plural communities. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, the situation was very different. Now we are seeing the second generation, third generation in diaspora, not only Asian diaspora, but also African diaspora that we see people in politics, in education, in other professions, making their presence very much felt. And I think multiculturalism, when it was introduced in the 1960s by people like Roy Jenkins, people were hesitant. They thought Britain would split into many cultural ghettos. But that's not the case. I mean, I'm not saying the problems have gone away, but I think a person of Indian origin becoming the prime minister of the oldest democracy and a person of Pakistani origin becoming the leader and the first minister of Scotland and representing a party called SNP, which actually seeks sovereignty from the United Kingdom. This is a great achievement of this sociological model that we don't see working in many other societies, even in within Europe. Yeah, well, that is a very interesting point, because what has become, if you like, almost, not totally, but almost unique about the United Kingdom, that we can have a minority prime minister and a minority first minister. You know, we don't see this in almost any other Western democracy. To some extent, I think Canada and the United States and your own country, is, and New Zealand, of course, uh, might be following a similar kind of pathway. And under Nehru's tradition, I think India also has been maintaining some of these plural traditions, though there are challenges from what we call so-called majoritarianism. But I think Britain has set up a wonderful example, and it's not patronizing minority communities. It is giving them academic, professional, political and social opportunities. And I think people that you mentioned, and of course the uh, mayor of one of the largest cities in the world, London, happens to be of Pakistani origin. And as I know from first hand, there are hundreds of councillors of Pakistani, Afro-Caribbean, African, Indian, Bangladeshi origins. And eventually you will see more people at right, the higher echelon of the British political setup coming from minorities. But we should also not forget the pioneering generation of immigrants from the subcontinent in Africa who had difficult time in integrating and establishing their roots. Well, I want to ask you about that because you talk about role models. What weight, though, does it put on the shoulders of Britons of uh, African background, Afro-Caribbean background, South Asian background, to be the model immigrant. I mean, it seems to weigh heavily on the shoulders when you're in a very public position, doesn't it? Yes, I think there are raised expectations and some people from the minority communities and different professions would say that they have to work extra hard 
to establish themselves. But I think this generation will make it easier for future generations to move into these positions. Of course, not every Asian or African or Afro-Caribbean can be the prime minister, but there are more opportunities. I mean, American society has opened up. You know, the office of the vice president is being held by a woman first time, and she comes from a, a minority background, Indian and African. So I think the Western democracies are gradually opening up. I mean, it is a long march from 1950s and 60s when you couldn't rent a house in a predominantly white Anglo-Saxon region or you couldn't go into certain public places. It was a kind of unstated segregation, unlike the segregation that we saw in the United States until 19. 50s. So I think things are moving forward. Political systems are being responsive. Yes. What tensions, though, exist between, for example, a politician of minority faith, also, by the way, a politician of Christian faith as well, but this has been pronounced in the case of um, Hamza Yusuf in Scotland, the tension between wanting to represent in an authentic way a community that, for example, has some mainstream but traditional values around gender and his party's position, which is very liberal. I mean, are there these tensions between trying to be an authentic representative and also trying to be part of the liberal political milieu? I think you're right. There are challenges, and these are formidable, and I'm not trivialising them. I think in case of religion, many religious communities, not just Muslims and Hindus, are confronted with those challenges which liberalism poses. For example, same-sex marriages, or having women as priests, or ulama, or leading, for example, prayers in the Muslim mosque, or being on the committees uh, for Muslim mosques. And I'm sure similar other communities are facing these challenges. I know a few years ago, sex education was being frowned upon by a number of conservative groups from amongst religious uh, communities, including Muslims, Hindus and Christians. And one of the earliest political notable in Scotland of Muslim background, Mr. Bashir Mann, who wrote three books, one of them called New Scots, he had his criticism of gay marriages or teaching sex education in schools. But he was also a role model in his own way, and he laid the grounds for this kind of multicultural uplift. And today, Hamza Youssef is the benefit, or Anas Sarwar, who is the leader of the Labour Party in Scotland. I'm not saying that in their private life, these people have to you know, leave their religion. I don't think multiculturalism demands that. But I think in public life, they have to go along with the public sentiments. One of the other interesting points here is that the rise of Hamza Youssef and Rishi Sunak not only shows the ethnic diversity in British society, what does it say about the political diversity within minority communities? I think if you look at all these three people, you would see that they belong to three different parties. Rishi Sunak, the prime minister, is from the Conservative Party. And generally, the image is that mostly the immigrants support the Labour Party. But the next generation, or some of them who become well off, they prefer Conservative Party. So I think these ethnic communities, maybe the second generation, third generations, are even more diverse when it comes to their preferences for political parties. So that's another development. I mean, of course, Rishi Sunak and some of these people came from urban background. They were already well off. 
and they could get into Oxford and Cambridge right away. But most of the Asians, Afro-Caribbeans and Africans were from working class. The positive thing here is that it means that no side of politics, no party can take particular communities for granted, doesn't it? Yes, you're right. But uh, within the parties, there is quite a bit of discussion. I mean, even in Conservative Party, lately there has been discussion about Islamophobia, that maybe some members, you know, in a very old-style way, they could hold their own reservations. But there were issues of anti-Semitism when it came to British Labour Party. So there might be, I'm not saying every party thinks alike, but I think with the arrival of these people and these people in leading positions, I think they're also helping these political parties in Britain change in a very positive way. Professor Iftikhar Malik of Oxford and Bath Spa Universities. And this is the Religion and Ethics Report on air and at the ABC Listen app.